My seventh grade son, Luke, has been watching political ads on television. Not on purpose, but just when he's watching some of the shows that he likes, they pop up and he is taking notice of them. He sat down with me this past week and said, hey dad, are you gonna vote for this particular candidate? I said, probably not. He said, well, why? Because the person running against them is not any better than that person, dad. And he gave me like this long laundry list of why I shouldn't vote for the opponent either. And it was a great opportunity for me to talk to Luke about what we can believe is true that we see in the media, whether that's on television or in the newspaper or online. We have to have a discerning eye to figure out what's true, especially with political commercials, because they're very biased and we have to do our research. And so, again, it's a great conversation, but it, it, it leads to a bigger question of how do we know what is true when the media reports that? Again, internet, television, newspaper, you hear one expert say this about the coronavirus, and then another expert says the exact opposite. We have this person saying this about a, an event that happened, and then someone says the exact opposite of that. So I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel really frustrated and confused because I have a lot of skepticism that behind whatever we're reading or seeing, there is an agenda, there's a bias, there's a message in there. And I just wonder, is there any objective truth that's being reported, just these are the facts, rather than someone putting their own slant behind that? And so I'm excited to explore that today with you as we are going to dive into a book that talks about truth. But before we do that, I had a great opportunity this week to sit down with one of our church members who has some expertise in the area of truth and media. And we had a great conversation. I learned so much about it. And I think you're going to learn a lot as well. So check this out and see what you think. I am with Brad, who is a member of our congregation. And he and his wife, Ruby, have been with South Park Church, formerly Sharon United Methodist Church, for over 20 years. Welcome, Brad. Glad to have you with us today. Thanks. It's nice to it's nice to have a chance to actually wear a shirt instead of a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to dress up every now and then. Absolutely. Yeah. Brad and Ruby are faithful members of our congregation. Brad currently serves as the vice chair of our leadership team. If you were watching worship last week, you got to hear a beautiful solo that Ruby sang, and they've just been in many different leadership positions over the years. We're so glad to have them as part of our church family. In addition to that, Brad served as a television reporter for over 30 years here in Charlotte, an award-winning investigative reporter, did a lot with politics and just is a great resource and expert. And I've invited him to be with us today because we're talking about the truth. and What do we believe is true out in the world, especially with media? And so, Brad, I know that some people in our world, if they see something written in print or on television or on the internet, they absolutely believe it because it's there. But many people uh, in our, our country, even in our church, are probably more skeptical that we're not sure what to believe, uh, what we see on the news, what we see in the newspaper when we're online. There's, there's a lot of uh, sentiment that some of the reporting is biased towards one political leaning or the other, that some news is true, some news is false. I'd love just to pick your brain today to help us figure out how do we know, is there objective truth in reporting? How, how can we be discerning viewers when we're trying to figure out what to believe and what not to believe? Yeah, I think the first thing that I would say is that it's changed a lot over the last 10 years. Um, you know, with, with the 24-7 news cycle, there's a lot of programming that's on today that just simply didn't exist when I grew up, for example. You know, when I grew up, 
there was the six o'clock news and the 11 o'clock news on television, and there was the newspaper, right? And, and, and those were um, programs that were, where there was reporting that was, at least the idea was, to be balanced and try to get both sides. And that's certainly what I tried to do when I was working is you get both sides of the story, you present it out there, and you don't put your opinion in ever. I, you know, and it's very different now because a great majority of the programming that's on certainly you know, network television is opinion rather than fact. You know, you, these are opinion shows um, where, you know, whether it's Fox News or CNBC or MSNBC, they don't have a six o'clock newscast. They have just one after another opinion hosts who talk to people about just what their opinions are. And there's not a lot of reporting. And I think that's one thing I would really want to get across is for people to understand the difference between opinion and factual reporting. Okay. Yeah, that's, so that's helpful because they don't make it as clear as they used to. Like when you and I were younger, they would have an editorial section in the newspaper, I think you've said to me before. Yeah, um, I, I, th yeah I think, Kyle, you know, if, you're, if you think back to the, to the, to the newspaper, um, when you open the newspaper, there are news stories and then there's a very clearly identifiable editorial section. It has an editorial, it has letters to the editor, and the whole idea of that section is that it's opinion. But on television, it's not as easy to, to, to tell that anymore because the majority is now opinion. And, but I think people remember maybe when it was more factual reporting than just opinion shows. And, I, and that's when, when people ask me about it, I, the, the, the one thing that I would want people to remember is just make sure you understand the difference between opinion shows, which, are, which there are and they have their bias and their that's what they're meant to be. You know, they're meant to affirm people's belief in whatever side they're on versus, you know, whether that's Rachel Maddow or, or Sean Hannity, you know what you're going to get in those things. You know, what I, I would just encourage people to do is look for sources that aren't opinion where you're getting something different. And, and you know, and, and people, uh, I think that, you know, truth is under attack. I don't think there's any question because, um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a feeling now that if I don't like a story, I'm going to say it's fake news. And that's just not the case in many instances. I can remember a time when I was reporting where we at Channel 9 had done a story about the police department that was not flattering to police. We caught them doing some wrong things. And many of the officers we talked to were very, very angry with us and said, that's not news. You shouldn't be reporting that. You know, in essence, we didn't like it, so you shouldn't report it. And I remember saying to them, you know, just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's not true. And I think in order for people to find the truth in news these days, you have to be open to, to receiving the truth. You know, I think that a lot of people, and it's fine, go to one network or the other to be affirmed in what they already believe and aren't necessarily interested in what the truth is. And I think you need to get outside of those things and go to some sources where there's actual reporting that's, that's getting both sides and then presenting it out there. Yeah, I like that. I take a, a lot of my information from the internet. I go online a lot and I try to go to different websites. Like I'll go to a CNN, I'll go to a Fox News just to see it's the same event that's happened and try to figure out between all of those sources what really did happen and try to filter out, like you said, what are the opinions that are coming through? And so, but that can be challenging. I've even found myself sometimes, I'll, I'll you know, I'll click onto a, a an article on the internet. And as I'm reading that, other articles will pop up uh, that are similar and I'll start following those. And sometimes it feels like I'm going down 
a, a more a narrowing field of information where I'm kind of getting pigeonholed. What would you say to us about that? Well, I think that when you click on, you know, if you go to one source that you trust and, you, and then you click on it and it goes, takes you to a different site and then click again, you could very shortly be on, be on a site that's no longer connected with the one you started with. And if you're not careful, you're still thinking it's with news source A, but you could actually be over here at news source D. And if you look at that, you go, well, gosh, of course I wouldn't trust that, but, you, but you're connecting it still to the first one. So I just would be very careful of clicking through. And as you know, you and I have talked too, there's, you know, there's clickbait things that are, that are meant to get you to click and those are monetized. And so you don't know somebody getting paid just for you to, to click on that. And, and so I think you just need to be aware of where that, that click is taking you and where you're going to start. You know, if you, if you today um, put in, you know, just searched about the hurricane, you know, you'll find something from the Weather Channel, but you'll also find something from many, many other different sources that are all talking about it. And I think you need to know which one you want to you want to listen to. And that's helpful. Maybe, you know, what I'm hearing a couple things so far is one, know the difference between an event and a fact and someone's analysis or opinion about that. So try to be discerning of that. And then secondly, to use multiple resources that, to try and see it from different viewpoints to try to figure out what really happened. And that's helpful. And I think in today's world right now, uh, I'm hearing a lot of folks crying out that we also need to you know, listen to different voices. Uh, for example, we need to listen to more black voices. Uh, it, we've talked about our, in, our, in our country's history, uh, white people have written the history and we don't understand black history. So we need to I think we need to consider that as we think about different viewpoints, different opinions, different sources for our information. So um, what about experts? Like, if, how do we know which experts to trust? I mean, there's a lot of stuff about the coronavirus. There's a lot of stuff about injustice. How can we trust an expert? Well, I, I, I think that you know, people may disagree with me on this, but you know, a lot of people aren't aware that in Washington, for example, there are two kinds of people who work in Washington. Those that are appointed by an administration or by you know, senators or that kind of thing. And then there were called career employees, right? And I remember you know, talking to some people there and, and somebody would make it very clear, I'm a career employee here. And those are people who aren't connected to one administration or the other. They're there through the Democrats and the Republicans. They've been there since Jimmy Carter and they've been through many presidents. They've been through many different Parties, and they're just there to do their job. And those are the people that I tend to personally listen to and believe, you know, and, and there are some of those people out there right now um, when we're talking about coronavirus, that if you look and see who are the people that have been appointed and who answer to the political people that are in charge at the time versus who's made a career out of doing this and are serving administrations of any party who happens to be in power. And I think those are the people that, that I would believe, just as you would believe, you know, a plumber who's been doing it for 20 years versus somebody who just started, I think it's the same thing. And so I think in, when you look at those kinds of issues in, in, in politics right now, I think you want to listen. I personally would listen to people who are career employees in those fields. You've mentioned before, Brad, about the concept of probability uh, in, in trying to discern what's true and what's not. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think, look, I, I'll, I'll share a little anecdote. A long time ago, my mother-in-law 
was was doing something and she and she happened to say and everybody says this is a problem and i don't understand why it's a problem but i said well mom either everybody's wrong and you're right or maybe everybody's right and you're wrong you know what's the probability that all these other people would be saying the same thing if it wasn't true and i think you know when we look at what's going on right now especially with coronavirus again this is my opinion people can be free to disagree but I think, again, when you look at people who are career scientists and you have all these scientists saying one thing and a, maybe a few scientists saying something else or a few other people saying something else, what's the probability that they're all either right or wrong? I, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to say majority rules all the time, but I think in terms of, you know, when you look at a whole bunch of experts, a whole bunch of experts say one thing. The chances of, of them being right, I think, are, are higher than, than not. If you look at what somebody says about where the stock market's going, everybody says it's going one way, and one person says it's going the other way. Logic would tell you you might want to give more credence to the to the to the majority uh, opinion in that. Well, Brad, thank you. This this is a lot of good information for us to process. And again, maybe just to kind of recap, what what I'm hearing here is. You know, consult multiple sources, uh, and, and that gives us a, a wider view of what's, what's happened, uh, and then be very discerning about what is more of a factual report versus an opinion or an editorial, uh, because it's not always made clear what that is. Uh, and as far as experts and probability, we want to do some homework, look at, look at the history, look at the research, uh, and that sort of thing. What else would you say to us as we're trying just, you know, watching television, going online, reading newspapers, anything else about how we can figure out what to believe, what not to believe? Well, I, one, one thing I think you can look to is, is the language used in headlines or in teases and whether it's provocative versus factual. I think one of the, one of the things that you find, especially in opinion kind of, in opinion kind of coverage, is um, you know, it's a massive hurricane versus it's a, you know, a factual description of would be it's a category X, you know, an opinion kind of thing would be, it's a devastating, it's, it's, it's massive, right? You know, so I think look for language that is more factual oriented as you, as you even decide which articles to read. And I think, I think that'll, I think that'll go a long way toward getting you to sources that are interested in facts versus opinion. And that goes back to our clickbait discussion. People are making internet, uh, headlines that want to draw you there for you to click on it and then someone gets right. paid by that and, uh, and so yeah look for the more factual things not the flashy things that's right yeah well brad thanks so much for your discussion with us today We're so glad to have you and ruby as part of our church and this has been very helpful as we examine what truth is in our world thanks kyle i'm thankful to brad for sitting down with me this past week I learned a lot from what he had to say, and I hope you did as well. Some really practical steps that we can use to discern what is true and what is not when we are looking on the media, internet, newspaper, television, those sorts of things. After we had shot this interview through Zoom, I sat down with Brad just you know, for the aftermath, and a couple of other things that came up that I found were helpful. One is that when we're considering multiple sources as, as we're looking to find truth, that we should consider some international sources that are reporting on things that are happening in America. So that's a, a, another good source that we should consider. And also there's some fact-checking websites on the internet where people just look up 
facts of what different people have said to see whether or not that's true. So again, those are two extra things that we can do. Well, we are in this series of turning pages, and again, I'm excited about the book that we're going to be looking at today because it talks about truth, and specifically, it talks a lot about the truth about what we believe about God and how that impacts our life. We're going to be in the Bible today, probably in a book you might not have heard about or read about. It's called Second John. It's near the end of the New Testament. It, it's a letter and it was written, it's attributed to the disciple John, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. He's writing in the first century in the Mediterranean world to some of the churches that he has started and has been pastoring to, and he's just giving them advice and trying to help them. And in, in these churches, especially in one of them for sure, there's been a major split, a division, where people in the church got mad at each other and they left. And this time it wasn't over the color of the carpet or the style of worship music. It was over what we believe about Jesus. The people that got mad and left and just hurt feelings and missing one another, all that kind of stuff, they were upset because they were beginning to believe something different than what John was teaching about Jesus. They believed that Jesus never became a human being, that God never became a flesh and blood human being, because they believed that flesh and, and bone and just all the material stuff that's in the world that we can touch uh, is bad. It's evil. And why would a good God come into uh, an evil body to do God's work in the world? And so they believed that Jesus just appeared to be human, but wasn't really human. And that's called docetism, to appear or to seem and that was why they got mad and they left. But then John, who was one of the 12 disciples, is like, hey, look, I was there. I was with Jesus. Like, this guy was flesh and blood. He didn't just, you know, show up as some kind of a, a ghost-looking thing. He was real. And he died on the cross, and he came back to life. And if, if we believe that Jesus wasn't human while he was still God— if we believe that he didn't die on the cross for real, if he didn't come back to life, then everything that we've been talking about is useless. Because how could Jesus save us from our guilt and our shame and our wrongdoing? How could he take all that stuff upon him if he wasn't truly human while he was also at the same time God? If he didn't die on the cross for real and he didn't come back to life for real, then everything that we preach and base our ministry on just falls apart. And so, John was adamant, adamantly defending that Jesus was real. And so that's where we pick up the story today in 2 John. And uh, it's an easy book to read. There's only 13 verses in the entire book. We're going to read eight of them together today. And after our worship service today, I invite you sometime during the rest of the day to read the five other verses of 2 John. And you can say, hey, I read a whole book of the Bible today. That'll just be really cool. But let's dive in. We're going to start with verse 7 today, 2 John verse 7, uh, and we're talking about what is true about Jesus. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Right? So again, this idea of docetism, of Jesus not really being a human being while he was also God. And John, he comes down on it, and he says, look, they're trying to deceive you, and anybody who says that is an antichrist, which, wow, that's a strong term. And, you know, anti means against, so 
if you're saying that Jesus wasn't really human while he was also God, then you're against Jesus. And that's serious stuff because you're attacking everything that we believe. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So stay true to what I've been teaching you. Don't be misled by these false teachers. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. So John is doing some tough love here. He's like, this is such a bad teaching. We can't even let folks come and be around us. And we have to like shut them out, right? We have to kind of separate ourselves until they can figure out what's true and what's not, right? So some tough love here. So John is adamantly defending the truth of the gospel as he has witnessed it himself. So this is, you know, it kind of reminds us that in the 21st century, as we struggle with, you know, knowing what's true and what's not true, this is nothing new for humanity. Even right after Jesus went into heaven after his death and resurrection, people were arguing about what's true and not true then. And it had some significant consequences because it's about the core of our faith. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, our denomination, uh, had some advice for us that I think is still helpful whenever we're trying to determine what's true and what's not, whether that's a, a religious or a theological or a Christian issue, or it's something we've seen on television or read on the internet. He also gave us some advice, just like our, our friend Brad gave us some good advice. And John Wesley said there's four things that we need to take into consideration. One is how does whatever we're studying or have a question about, what does the Bible say about it? How, what is the Bible? How does the Bible speak to that issue? Also, what does the church teach about that? What is the church tradition? Then we're supposed to use our minds, our, our ability to, to reason, because God gave us brains for a reason, right? To use them. And then also to factor in our personal experience of God in the world. So those are four resources, the Bible, church tradition, uh, our reason and our experience. And of course, we would add into that prayer. So again, other filters that we can use as we're trying to figure out what is true in the world. I want to go back to 2 John. We're going to go back to the earlier part of the letter as, as we talk about truth, but also something else that John finds very important. From verse 4, It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. In this case, John's talking about any Christian who's in the church. He, he's addressing the church as, as a woman. He's writing, it's a very interesting way of addressing uh, the church in this letter. You need to read it again. Very interesting stuff. But he's saying, basically, there's some people in our congregation who are still following the truth. And that's awesome. And now, dear lady, again, he's addressing the church in general. I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to God's commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So for John... Two very important points in this letter, this short letter, this book of the Bible that we're turning pages to read, is to look at truth, right? Jesus was really human while Jesus was also God, and also that a core belief of ours is that we are to love. We're to love one another. We're to follow God's commands, and, and we live that out in love. And so truth and love are the main themes of this passage of Scripture, this important book. 
And I think as we think about in our own 21st century world, especially here in America, as we think about truth and sharing truth, I'm sad to think that a lot of times truth and love don't go hand in hand. Because my observation, and I could be totally wrong, but I'm guessing you might have seen this, that when we see truth expressed in America today, usually it's not done in a loving way. Usually we use truth as a weapon to say, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm right and I win, you're wrong and you lose. I told you so in your face, right? So we use truth as a weapon. We use it to, to win over someone. I'm right, you're wrong, I'm winning, you're losing. And I don't think that's what God intends. Uh, elsewhere in the Bible, it actually says that we, when we speak the truth to one another, we're to speak the truth in love. And when I watch television and when I get on the internet, when I see people in discussions, it's not a loving engagement of truth. Again, we're using truth as a weapon to wield against one another. And I don't think that's what God intends. I think God calls us to speak the truth and love to one another. Just like at home with my wife, Laura, sometimes she has to tell me things that I don't want to hear. Sometimes she has to tell me things that I'm blind to, some truth that, that I need to benefit from. And I just appreciate the way that she does that. She does it in a loving way. She doesn't say, hey, Kyle, you moron, which sometimes I am a big moron, but hey, she doesn't do that. She's like, honey, hey, maybe you want to consider from this viewpoint, or this is what I'm observing. Have you thought about this? She, she tells me things that I need to hear, and she does it with a loving spirit. And that disarms the situation, and it doesn't set us up against each other as, as rivals or antagonists. And so I think that's another thing we can walk away from today from John's letter, the second letter of John, is that I think we're called to speak the truth in love. Now, another cool thing that I think that, that Brad was talking about in our discussion was that he said, just because we don't like something doesn't mean that it's not true. Just because we don't like something doesn't mean that it's not true. And, and that's like a natural defense mechanism maybe that we have as humans. If we, if we hear something that we don't like, then we can just say, well, it's not true because we don't want to be hurt or by what, whatever's true. We don't want to have to deal with that frustration or whatever. But just because we don't like something doesn't mean that it's not true. And I think that's deep because I think with truth, sometimes down deep in places that we wouldn't admit to other people, we're kind of scared of the truth because we have a lot to lose if some of the true things in our lives come out into the world. And I think sometimes the truth is we're not as smart as we think we are. We're not as accomplished as we think we are. We're not as moral as we think we are. We could just make a long list. And so I think sometimes down deep, we're scared that when the truth comes out, we don't want people to know what that is. And so we try, to, we try to bury that truth. We try to ignore that truth or say that it's not true, even though it really is. I think it's true in America. I think the past few months have been really hard on us because we're faced with the truth that our nation that we all love so much isn't as great as we thought it was. And that's hard. There's a lot of great things about America, don't get me wrong, but I think we've discovered that it's not as great as, as we think it is. We have been struggling with racism for centuries, hundreds of years, and racism's ugly head is, is still with us. We are part of a corrupt system that, that oppresses groups of people because of the color of their skin. 
we were slow to respond to the coronavirus, and we have not done as good a job as many of the nations around the world that we used to look down our noses at. They're doing much better than we are. And so it's a hard thing to face the truth when we realize it's not exactly what we want to hear. So what's the point? What's the big idea? What's the, what's the takeaway today? I think Brad said it very clearly in, in his discussion with me, and it mirrors exactly what John's saying to us in, in 2 John today, that if we want to know the truth, we have to be willing to receive the truth. Right? We have to, if we want to know what the truth is, we have to be open to receiving that truth, even if that truth is a hard one for us to have to stomach, right? If we want to know the truth, we have to be open to receiving the truth. It reminds me of a movie that Jack Nicholson was in, and his iconic line of that movie was, you can't handle the truth, right? We have to be willing to handle the truth, whether we like that truth or not. To know the truth, we have to be open to receiving the truth. So that's a challenging thing for us to have to deal with. But I think it's worthwhile because ultimately the Bible says that the truth sets us free. Well, how how does the truth set us free? Another member of our church uh, sent me uh, this really cool thing to read from Proverbs 31 Ministries. And they're talking about the difference between news and truth. And this is kind of their own take on it. But I thought it was interesting. I think it is important part of what we're talking about, the difference between news and the difference between truth. And and in, in this article that I read, it says that news uh, is, is what happens, right? It, 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 it's stuff that happens out in the world, right? It just is, right? News is what happens. It's what we're dealing with. And that truth factors God into the equation. Right? Truth factors God into the equation. Well, let me give you an example of that. In the Bible, the people of Israel, the news, the things that had happened, the things that they are dealing with, The people of Israel were God's chosen nation, and they had disobeyed God, and they got into trouble, and other nations had come in and and fought against Israel, and they defeated Israel in major defeats, and Israel was crushed, and then they were taken into captivity. That's the news. That's what they're dealing with. That's what happened. And the truth, when we factor God into that, is that God wasn't through with the people of Israel yet. God still loved the people of Israel. God had plans for the people of Israel. God gave the people of Israel a chance to be forgiven and a chance to be restored into a relationship with God. So the news was they were in trouble, and the truth was that God had not given up on them. God took the bad news and turned it into good news, which gives me hope in my own life, which gives me hope for America that Right? Things are tough in America right now. We, we are a racist country. We have an, uh, an unjust system of oppression. We are scared to send our kids to school, but we also are scared to keep them home and try to do remote learning. There are people in our lives right now, many of us have lost our jobs and we don't know how we're going to make ends meet. There are people who are dying of the coronavirus and, and other diseases every day. There's, there's a lot of bad news in the world right now, but when we factor God into that, God's not through with us yet. God loves us. God still has plans for us. God still wants goodness to come into our nation and into our world. And that if we surrender to God and we repent, we turn away from all that we're doing wrong and ask for God's help. And we partner with God. We cooperate with God. We we become the hands and feet of God right out in the world as, as we're meant to be, empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
right? That God's truth is that God can turn this around and we can turn this around. It's not hopeless. Yeah, it's bleak right now, but we're, God's not done with us. And there's a lot of hope, right? We've got some, some news that's tough, but when we factor in God, then the truth is that good days are ahead of us if we work with God. That gives me hope, right? The news is that, that I'm created in the image of God, which is good, but I fall short of that image all the time because I use my freedom to choose, and sometimes I choose poorly, and I hurt people in my life. I hurt my relationship with God, and I feel guilt because of that. I feel ashamed because of that. I'm, I'm going to die one day because of that. I'm going to be cut off from God and everyone right through what the Bible calls hell. Right? That is some bleak news, but when you factor in God, God loves me anyway. God loves you anyway. If you're in a similar position, which I'm guessing most all of us human beings are, and God's not done with us yet. God has plans for our lives. God loves us. God wants to give us life to the full now and to live forever in the kingdom of heaven. And so our bad news, when we factor God in and we cooperate with God, can become good news. Right? That's what I'm talking about today. So I just would say, if, if you're in a bad spot, if, if you're facing some bad news, maybe it's medical news or maybe it's financial news, maybe it's a relationship kind of news, right? Don't just get stuck with the truth of the news, right? Look to the, the truth of factoring God into the equation and look to see how God's going to bring something good out of that. Right? That's what's encouraging for me. So I'd like to invite you, challenge you to do two things this week. The first is to speak the truth in love. Just like we looked at in you know, 2 John, we, we, he talked about love and he talked about truth, right? So in your, in your life, when you have to speak the truth to people, don't do it in a divisive way where you're the winner, they're the loser, where you're right and they're wrong. Right. Speak the truth in love. And that's harder to do than, than it sounds, right? But you can do that. So in at least one situation this week where you're going to speak the truth to somebody, maybe you're looking forward to doing that and celebrating and slam the door on them. Don't slam the door on them. Do it in a way that speaks love. You have to say something hard to someone, do it in a spirit of love. So at least one situation this week, speak the truth in love. The second thing I would invite you to do is that when you're dealing with some difficult news in your life, maybe it's something you saw about America, maybe it's something in your own life. When you're dealing with the news this week, right, things that have happened, things that we have to deal with, factor in God. Invite God into the situation. Begin to pray about that. Talk to God about that. Begin to dream, right? What might God do in this situation? Well, how can God take my bad news, right? Factor God into that and see what God does and make that into some kind of good news, right? So speak the truth in love and factor God into the news and see what happens. Right? Again, from 2 John, from John's perspective, as he's having this theological conversation and just struggle with, with people who used to be in his congregation, right? The news was, hey, Jesus came from heaven to become a human being and, and to die on a cross, right? How is that possible? That, that's impossible, right? Even if it's true, right? why are you celebrating that, right? Jesus is supposed to be the Savior, and yet he was defeated, right? He was crushed, right? How, how is that good, right? The, the Lord of the universe became a human being and he died. He lost, right? He was, he's in the tomb. But we factor in God 
and God's not done. And Jesus is not done. And he comes out of that tomb and God raises him from the dead and he comes back to life and, and we can find forgiveness and we can find joy and we can find peace. Right? So what God does with Jesus, what God does with the cross, what God does with the resurrection is God takes some very bad news. We factor God into that. It becomes the greatest news in the world. Right? This is the good news. That's what gospel means, the good news of Jesus. That's what God does. He takes bad news, factors himself into that, and turns it into good news. So if you are in the midst of bad news, look for God to do something to turn it into good news. That's the truth. That's what we celebrate today. God takes our bad news, factors God into that, and makes it into good news. And so through God, whatever news we're facing, we have hope that God is working to turn our bad news into good news. And that is the truth in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.